This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. Today, I have a very exciting interview for you guys. I know that when you're first starting out your businesses or your freelance hustles, your side hustles, things can be really overwhelming and it can be really hard to focus on the right things and figure everything out on your own. So I have a really awesome guest that's going to help you guys through that, and I think you are really going to enjoy it. I also want to take a second to remind you that if you haven't yet, please leave the podcast a rating and review on iTunes. You just have to click on the title of the show, scroll down to the bottom somewhere, and click that five-star button. And if you would like to write a review as well, it totally means the world to me and helps other people find the show. So thank you to everyone who has left reviews already. So yeah, just wanted to put out a little reminder there. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Freelance Friday podcast. My name is Latasha James and I'm your host. This podcast is a deep dive into the challenging, exciting, and oh so rewarding world of freelancing. From tips and advice to interviews with the people who are doing it right, this show is for anyone looking to get their hands a little bit dirty and make monetizing their passion a reality. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. Today, I am joined by Mary Baird Volcox, who is the CEO of The Simplifiers. The Simplifiers was founded in 2003 and serves as a mentor for event professionals all over the world, helping them up-level and simplify their businesses. Their goal is to simplify your work life, not complicate it. I am so excited to learn more about her business as well as her personal journey in business and her exciting new podcast. So thanks for being here, Mary, and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really honored. Awesome. Cool. I'm super excited to talk to you about your business. Um, A lot of people who listen to the show are really new in their businesses and their freelancing careers, and uh, everything seems really overwhelming when you're first getting started. So I'm sure that you're going to be able to help us out quite a bit. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, let me just say, spoiler alert, uh, even when you're 14 years into business, sometimes days can get overwhelming and all that. So yes, but I have some ideas of how, how to help you guys. Awesome. So why don't we just get started by talking a little bit about what exactly the Simplifiers is and how you got started with it. Mm, So um, a long, long time ago, back in Austin, Texas, 2003 to be exact, uh, I had an idea that I wanted to start my own events business, producing large scale events for corporate brands, uh, weddings of all shapes and sizes, but really specializing in what I call non-traditional weddings, and then luxury social events. Um, So before I started the Simplifiers in 2003, I actually worked in commercial radio 
radio. So I worked in every single job you could possibly imagine at a radio station, um, whether it was sales, marketing, voiceover, you know, like those monster truck ads, Sunday, 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 like that was me, right? <laughs> um, I was a radio DJ. I was a sound engineer. I mean, I did everything in the radio business. That was my very first career right out the gate, right? And what I really, really loved when I worked in radio was when I worked in the promotions department. And the promotions department, that's the team that produces the concerts, the community events, the festivals, all of that. And for me, I was like, wow, this is amazing that they're, you know, every week is completely different. Every event is completely different. And you get the opportunity to connect people and, and create these experiences. And so, you know, that's where I was like, wow, this is definitely the thing for me. I am not a paper pusher, nine to five clocker, you know, in a cubicle. Like that's pretty much a slow death for me. Um, so I was like, right, I want to do it. I want to do it on my own. So that thus I started the simplifiers in 2003. Now, flash forward to where we are now. Uh, I moved from the US to the UK in 2014 and decided to pivot the company at that point. Um, and now we've moved into online education and coaching, um, both in the events industry, but beyond as well. And so it's exciting to kind of see over a span of 15 years now, how um, one business, one brand has been able to evolve and change and still thrive uh, through it all. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I didn't know that you had a radio background, but it makes sense because you have a great radio voice. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so what was the decision behind moving your business? Was it, did you just want to make a personal move or was there a business decision behind moving over across the pond? Well, let me just say it was not an easy or simple decision <laughs> by any stretch of the means to um, move your family, but then also move your business and everything to the other side of the planet. Um, but no, I, I joke and say, well, I moved to the UK because of the weather. I just love gray, miserable, wet, cold. <laughs> but the truth really is, is that my husband is British and we have family over there. And, you know, he and I are both entrepreneurs. We both own separate businesses. And we both said, you know, years and years and years ago, we're like, right, like, if we're going to move and live across the world and give our children and our family this multicultural experience, we got to do it now. Like when, when the kids are young and the parents are still around and, and do the thing. So, you know, that conversation led to a couple of years of planning and putting the pieces into place to make it happen. And then 2014, you like literally, anytime you ever make a big decision, do you find that what you need to do literally is just set a date in your calendar? And you're like, right, we, we're moving. You know, you buy the plane ticket. You're like, this is happening. You can't like, you know, bump it back or delay it any longer. And you do whatever it takes to, to make it happen. That's awesome. That has to be a, a really cool experience too. Oh, uh, cool and hard. Yeah, so, I bet. Um, well, I mean, when you're, I'm sure for your listeners that are thinking, gosh, I, I'm just starting a business, but like, you know, moving across the planet, like, there's so much that goes into it. Uh -huh. It's literally like starting all over in a, a lot of ways. Um, you know, I mean, you build your network, you start to build your, um, your list of vendors and suppliers, you build your client list. I mean, you have to do everything. But what I think is really interesting, at least from my perspective, having 14 years um, experience running a small business. Um, and, you know, as my primary source of income is that 
over time, you become more experienced in catching the the blocks before they happen. So when you're just starting out, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And so you just sort of fumble along the way. But then, you know, it's interesting to start a business and then start it again in a whole new culture, a whole new uh, country. Um, you get faster at making some of those key decisions early on. Yeah, I love that. That's that's awesome. So what are some of the those key things that you feel like you were faster about the second time around? And if someone was were to start a business tomorrow, what are some of the big things that you think um, they should really pay attention to off the bat? Hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think this is something that most entrepreneurs and solopreneurs forget to do at the beginning. They think, right, let's do, let's make it happen. Let's start working on a, a beautiful logo and get some business cards printed and go, 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 right? You're super excited um, in that, that first early stages and you really want to make progress. You know, one of the things that um, most entrepreneurs forget to do is think bigger. And what I mean by that is big corporations tend to focus on their mission statement, their vision statement, and their core values. And they set those and define those very early on. It's it's kind of like laying down the foundation of your house, right? You, you lay that down first because that's what everything else is built upon next. You don't go out and buy the curtains before, you know, you've even built the house, right? Um, and if you did, it, it, there's a high chance that you've bought the wrong color or the wrong size and all of that. Well, the same principles apply to creating and starting your own business. And so, just to recap, I mean, these are things that you you hear like, oh, yeah, 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 I should do that. But you don't actually do it. It may just be because you fear it's too complicated or it's not important. So let me just break it down real quick. So a mission statement for your business. Let's say you're a graphic designer, right? Your mission statement is your why. Why do you exist in the marketplace and, and who do you serve? Um, so, you know, it's important really early on, in my opinion, to micro niche down. Like who is your ultimate ideal client? Like literally that one person you would love, 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 love to work with that energizes you, you get excited, that trust you, that pays you what you're worth, all of that. Like getting clear on that and getting clear on your why is so important. And then two is your, your vision statement. Now the vision statement is your trajectory, where you want to head with your business in the next five years. So do you want to be an award-winning graphic designer who uh, specializes in, I don't know, um, rebranding or specializes in graphic design for boring businesses, like whatever it is, your, your thing. And the vision statement that you set out for yourself should kind of make your stomach kind of turn and tingle. Like it has to be aspirational and a little bit scary for you um, because it's it's leading you. It's like literally the the flashlight that's that's pointing ahead and um, to where you want to go um, and and feel very aspirational, not like within reach right this second. And then number three is your core values. So what is it that you you truly believe in that that is the machine behind every single decision you make as a business owner, right? So some core values, We all of this is listed on our website, thesimplifiers.com forward slash about. Um, our core values, a couple of them are um, 
alone serves no one. We are better together or never miss a moment to wow them in the little details or fail fast and learn faster. Like these are the things that we truly believe in. And as you grow your team, you hire virtual assistants, you, you know, really build uh, employees and, and all of that, you know, every single hire must believe in these core values and it must emanate in every bit of work that you put out into the world. So, you know, starting there and really getting clear on your vision, mission, and core values from the get-go is so important. And then taking that next step and, and really outlining and detailing who is your ultimate ideal client. And I have got some ideas and I can share that on how you can really break that bit down as well. Yeah, those are great points. I think that a lot of people get started and just want to kind of get by and keep their head above water. Um so I think that it's it's difficult for a lot of people when you're first starting out to think big like that, when you're just thinking, I just need to get a project or get a long-term yeah. client, you know, it's oh, a little easier to just say, I want to appeal to everybody or whoever will, will take me and focus on the little things like the curtains that are, you know, the simple yes. or easier tasks for sure. Yeah. So that's great advice. And it's uh, a trap. It is a, it's yeah. an absolute trap because when you're just starting out, you're like, well, I won't turn away any client, anybody yeah. that wants to pay me for what I do. Awesome. Right. Which I, I get that, but it's a trap. The sooner mm-hmm. you can really get crystal clear clarity on who you love, love, love to work with, then it all like it's so funny when you when you can focus that lens, um, and then that dictates and and, and really um, inspires every bit of branding and copy and blogging and Instagram posts and everything that you put out there. Then what happens is that your ultimate ideal client is seeing themselves in you. They're saying, wow, who is this Mary girl? Like she's like speaking in my language. Get out of my head. I need to talk to her and and know more about her story and how she can help us uh, with our biggest pain. So talking about ultimate ideal client, I'll I'll just quickly go through this real quick just so anybody that's listening, scribble these notes down and you might want to replay as well. Yeah. So, you know, you may have heard of other people saying like, oh, it's your avatar or your profile or whatever. We call it an ultimate ideal client. And here's how we do it. It's very, very simple. Give them a name. Like literally give them a name. So my ultimate ideal client, her name is Sally. She is 35 years old. She uh, runs an event planning company and she's been in business for four years now. She produces 21 to 50 events a year. And, you know, I can go on and on and on and on. She eats brunch here. She goes to church here. She lives in this neighborhood there. She drives this kind of car, but she actually wishes she drove this kind of car. She's got two kids that are under the age of three. You know, like you go through all of those details about her, which is, you know, what most people hear about when you're creating your client avatar, right? But I've got something that takes it one step further, that this is the juicy stuff that literally helps you attract your clients and make you a magnet to them. It's three things, fears, pains, and goals. So let me break that down real quick. So Sally, what are her 
fears, meaning her projected future fears on what's to come in her life. And the biggest pain point that she's desperately needing somebody to solve. So let's say Sally is, I don't know, planning a wedding, right? And so a a projected future fear is, oh my God, I don't have enough time to plan all these details. And my future mother-in-law is driving me absolutely nuts. And oh my gosh, I'm never going to have the wedding that I actually want. And, and envision in my head because my mother-in-law is railroading me and like like completely steamrolling over all of my ideas, right? So that's her projected future fears. Then her pains. Her pains are her present day things that are really taking her to her breaking point. So what I mean by that is Sally is sitting awake at two o'clock in the morning in bed on the verge of tears. And she's just about to flip the switch in her brain and go find you, the the person who can solve her greatest problem, right? So what are her pains right now in her life? She's, you know, at her wit's end. She really, her, her boss just gave her another task and another job on her plate. You know, she just lost the venue of her dreams to another bride who signed the contract faster than her. Like these are the things that she's sitting in right now, present day, that is causing her a lot of pain and going, oh, I can't plan this wedding on my own. I've got to find a wedding planner. And she goes and Googles and finds us, right? And then the last one is her goals or vision, her hope for her, you know, anticipated future positive outcome, right? So the same framework works regardless of what industry you're in. So what does she hope the outcome will look like after she's hired you, right? So just taking that simple exercise, and I'm a big believer in setting like a seven-minute timer and then journaling it all out, like dump it all out onto paper and map out, okay, who is your ultimate ideal client? That one person and resist the urge of saying, well, I work with women ages 25 to 45 because it's a trap. The 45-year-old person is going to have very different fears, pains, and goals than a 25-year-old person, right? So just focus on your one, map it out, and then start to write out, well, what are her or his fears? What are their pains? What is their vision? And what's going to happen is when you do this exercise and do it over and over and over again until you get crystal clear, is you now realize the voice of what everything you put out into the world should speak to. You should speak to her fears, speak to her pains, show the solutions of what you can do and accomplish um, by her side. And that, that's the secret to truly attracting your ultimate ideal client. Wow. I love that. That is uh, a lot of details, which is important for sure. Um, I love what you said about, you know, a 44 year old being completely different than a 25 year old. I think that is the, the most common age group that I hear people say is, you know, 25 to 44 or 45 and, you know, completely different. You're going to be using completely different language and um, everything to talk to those different groups. So I think that's great advice to really tell that story um, to yourself. Mm, so, yeah. so once you've determined who your ultimate ideal client is, how do you actually go about reaching them and, and bringing your business to them? Yeah. So let's take the example of the graphic designer, right? And, you know, she's determined her ultimate ideal client is 30 years old. Well, where does that 30-year-old person hang out? 
I mean, like that's, that's really, it sounds so simple, but it really is that. So if your 30 year old client is hanging out mainly on Instagram, then focus a lot of your efforts there. Maybe you don't do as much on Twitter or LinkedIn or Snapchat um, because it's just not where she's at. And, you know, here's another thing. I love, love, love the brilliance of Donald Miller and his team over at StoryBrand. So if you have never heard about StoryBrand, they they have a podcast called Building a StoryBrand as well. Highly recommend. So StoryBrand's essence is simply this. You are not the hero of the story. Your client is. And they base it on the idea that every blockbuster movie you can think of out there in the world, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, you name it, um, Lord of the Rings, the, the hero is the client and you are the guide. You're the expert that is leading the, the hero along their journey to, um, you know, as they, they solve their greatest pains and either achieve success or failure, right? So you are Yoda and your client is Luke Skywalker. Like, I love that, that analogy. Um, and so w- one of the things that we do and we flub it up right in the beginning is we pretend that we're the hero and we say, look at us. We shout over the rooftops like with a megaphone, like, look at the awards I've won. Look at all these things that I've done. Aren't I amazing? Blah, blah, blah. And you're missing the point. What you should be doing is positioning yourself as the guide and talking in your, your ultimate ideal client's language and using the words that they use when they, they are communicating their greatest fears and pains and their visions and hopes. And the things that you post out there should feel aspirational, meaning they see themselves mirrored back in the images, the graphics, whatever, but slightly aspirational, like, oh, that's what I want for my event, or that's what I want for my outcome after I work with you. That's the secret. So, you know, yes, I could say, oh, yeah, you should spend loads of money on Facebook ads. You should be here. You should do this. You should that. But the reality is go where your people are and then speak authentically in their language and position them as the hero. That's the secret. I love that. That's awesome. That's such great advice. And definitely, if you've been in business since 2003, uh, that was before Facebook ads were really a thing, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think that's great proof that you you don't have to necessarily rely on one specific tactic. It's really about speaking the language. And like you said, going going where your customers are for sure. Mm-hmm. And building an email list. I mean, it's that's mm-hmm. the thing. Your social media is you are borrowing uh, on a, a platform that that you cannot guarantee will be there in a couple of years. So for me, it's not about building like some massive Instagram following or look at how many likes I've gotten on the latest posts. Like it's truly about engagement and people picking up the phone or emailing you for more information. Like that's the measure of success, not how many likes or retweets I've gotten on a post. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about email? Because that's a a huge question that we get here on the show. Do you have any tips or tricks for actually building an email list? Yeah. So we use social media to build to, for relationship building. So here's a way that we reframe everything. Um, so marketing is relationship building and sales is problem solving. 
when you look at those two ways in that kind of a lens, um, it makes it so much more fun. It's like a game for yourself, but it also helps kind of reduce the pressure we put on ourselves. We think, oh, sales. Ooh, I don't want to be sleazy. I don't want to have to ask people for, do you want to buy this? You know, like any of that. Like literally when you look at your social media marketing, your print ads, anything that you're doing to push yourself out there in front of your audience is relationship building. So with, with that in mind, we're very strategic in that we have an editorial calendar mapping out what are we saying at any given moment on any different social media platform. Um, it's all mapped out. So we have that figured out. But then we it's not all automated either. So we don't want to be robots to people, right? Um, so you'll see like on our Instagram page, um, I have total control of our Insta stories, which is really fun for me because then people can click in and see behind the scenes uh, my life, the exciting, really big moments, and then also sort of like the little moments, like taking my kids to the school, you know, or or whatever. So that's just who I am. And it paints a story. And that's very, very honest and true of, you know, my life as the CEO of the Simplifiers and builds that no like, and trust, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, use your social media channels as your relationship places. And then every now and again, not all the time, not every single post, but every now and again, you put out a call to action that says, hey, do you want to download this freebie or this guide or this thing and um, become part of our super insiders group? And then that is, you know, you get this thing, you're added to our email list. And then that gives us a list of people who are truly interested in our stuff. Right. Um, and that that's those are the people you want to talk to the most. And so we look at it as an equation of 80 percent serving and 20% selling, right? Because um, no one likes to be sold to over and over and over and over again. So we serve with great valuable content and training and tips and freebies and all that. And then every now and again, we say, hey, this is the thing we're selling right now. The enrollment window's open. If it's right for you, here's where you buy. And that's the, that's the way to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, the 80-20 rule is what I always recommend to people when they're starting out with their social media strategy. Uh, I think a lot of us get hung up on the sell and, you know, we just need to make a sale and we need to push our links and right. and really you need to deliver the value first. You have to kind of prove yourself and and establish that trust before anyone's even going to think about purchasing from you, right? Totally. So. And we think that we need to like speak like a robot when we sell, mm -hmm. like, you know, like we use really complicated jargon because we think, oh, well, that'll make us sound like we're really an expert, you know, and that's doing just the opposite. When you talk like a robot and you don't speak in your own like voice and or in your client's voice, then people shut down, right? So I'm a big believer in even in my Instagram posts. Um, I, I tell stories. Mine are very long form. And sometimes, you know, peels back that curtain and shows a bit of vulnerability and like, you know, things that I don't have figured out. And I think, again, you're just building that that know, like, and trust with people. Um, and, you know, the things that I'm, I really know are my zone of genius, my, my expert um, knowledge, then yeah, people appreciate that, I think. And, and then again, 20% is when you're asking for an email or giving a freebie and building that email list slowly over time. Yeah, yeah. And, and people buy from people that they like, right? So it's, it is important to show a little bit of a human, more human side of yourself and get to know people personally, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, so I know that you're pretty good at the ask, which is something that a lot of new business owners find probably the most challenging uh, when it comes to starting a business. So do you have any advice for those of us who may be struggling a little bit with actually getting the sale or going for the ask? Yeah, for sure. So um, first and foremost, write out a sales process on paper. Like, don't just have it in your head. Um, so again, set a seven-minute timer and think, okay, what are steps one through 20 to from the point um, the client uh, reaches out to you for more information to the point where you're signing the contract, what are the, each of the steps along the way? And at first, you might just bullet point that out and plunk it down on paper. Or you might be listening to this going, well, I don't really know because I've never done this before, Mary. So where's, where's the advice, right? And that's fine. Like you, um, strangely enough, the answers you seek are more than likely inside you already, right? Think about other people or other businesses that you've done business with that you were like, that was so easy. I loved working with them. The sales process was so simple. Like in, take cues from them. What did they do? Did they send you a handwritten letter after you met them in person and you appreciated uh, the texture and tooth of the of the um, letterpress letter, right? And that they were so thoughtful to send that into the mail. Um, you know, did they pick up the phone and call you two days later? Did they, you know, send a PDF that helped answer all of your questions and concerns? So write it out. Like, what is your sales process steps one through 20? And bullet points are absolutely fine. I like to keep things simple. We're not talking about write a term paper here. And then once you've got it written down on paper, then you can start to go, well, okay, where can I refine this? How can I automate it? How can I simplify it? How can I make it even better for a customer experience who, you know, connect, gets in contact with us? Um, so, you know, over the years for myself, uh, I realized, wow, why are we sending people paper contracts, you know, via email that they have to print out you know, sign and then somehow magically either scan or fax back to us. This is way back in the day. Or, you know, have to take a photo and try to scan back to us. We're like, why do we do that? We're the simplifiers. Hello, we should be simple to work with. And, you know, then we upgraded at some point long time ago to Adobe Sign. So we send our contracts and our agreements um, for electronic signature. So literally a client make it simple for people to give you money. Like it sounds so silly, but we don't sometimes, right? So they send it, we send it through Adobe Sign and they click like a few buttons, boop, 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 boop. They've signed it, initialed it, and it sends them back a copy as a PDF. Bish, bosh, boosh, done, right? I mean, think about the things that um, can simplify people giving you money, whether that's an integration to PayPal on your invoice or, you know, using QuickBooks online to process payment electronically. Like the technology is there. Uh, you just need to be smart and savvy enough to tap into it um, to make it simple for your clients. Yeah, that's, that's great. I always get um, that comment that just the onboarding process is really easy with me, which is crazy to me because I feel like I'm still always figuring things out. But I think that that speaks to what you said, that I'm kind of modeling my business after what has worked for me as a consumer. Yes. And since I'm kind of uh, of this internet generation and, you know, I've, I'm used to things being quick. I'm used to e-signing things, yeah. um, getting my money direct deposited into my bank, um, 
yeah, I think that that's just kind of how it's naturally progressed. So that's, that's awesome. I love that. Well, it's interesting to me too. I mean, I'm now based in the UK. The idea of having paper checks is such an antiquated old idea that it just makes me chuckle sometimes when I work with clients in the US who still want to pay by check. Like it's just, that's just not even, you know, in our equation. So think about how, um, how does it make it simple for your client and how does it make it um, efficient for both parties as well. Um, makes a huge difference. But yeah, coming back to your original question about like how to do the ask, right? Um, you know, I, I think this comes with experience and it comes, and experience comes from repetition, meaning doing it over and over and over and over again, right? So if you are an entrepreneur that does meet in person with the client as a sales meeting, right? Refine that process. Practice it over and over again, even if it's literally with with your best girlfriend or your neighbor or your boyfriend, right? Like just practice your process and refine it over time. I mean, we, um, we teach our clients in the events industry, particularly wedding and event planners about that in-person sales meeting. So we've got little tips and tools. Like we use a magic binder. We, you know, how we lay out the table, what little things and details do we leave out for the clients? Um, you know, all these little tips and tricks that you develop over the years, um, that make that client experience fun, easy, like a breath of fresh air, right? Like, have you ever been um, to the doctor's office and they give you the clipboard and they're like, yeah, so go sit over there and fill out this whole thing of paper and you're just like going, why, <laughs> why am I spending, why am I here 15 minutes before my appointment and I'm waiting in a waiting room for an hour and a half and you've given me 10 pages of papers to document that you already have. Like, so think about it that way. Like, are you, are you completely aggravating and annoying your client before you've even sold them? And you know, that this builds that those two pillars of trust and respect, right? Right from the get-go, right from the sales meeting. And, you know, at the end of the meeting, if you are calm, cool, and collected, and calm, cool, and collected comes from repetition and experience of doing your thing, stepping into your power, you're not coming at it with cockiness or brashness. Like you are just confident. You know, you can sit there and go, I am so excited to work with you. Um, here is our contract. I cannot wait to get started. Here you go. You know, like you can ask for the sale right then and there and so much more confidence than, you know, the, the kind of body language and like, uh, do you want to work with me? <laughs> like, you know, so uh, this is my prize, you know, and, and you, it, it just comes with experience, I think. And, and knowing, truly knowing your value and your worth and, and what you bring to the table for them. For sure. Do you find that in-person meetings tend to convert better than a, like an online meeting or do you handle them pretty much the same? It really depends on your industry, I would imagine. So if you are a high touch kind of uh, service provider, meaning that you really need to have that personal contact with your client, then yes. I mean, trying to meet in person is going to be really, really important, you know, because you want to build that rapport. Yeah, you build that rapport. So yes, I would definitely say meet in person if at all possible. But you know, I, I'm based in the UK and a lot of my clients are based in Canada and the US and Mexico. So for me, it's not always possible for me to meet people in person. Um, but you know, technology's come a long way. So you can do video calls through GoToMeeting or Skype or, you know, a whole myriad of different tools that are out there that help you 
get that eye contact and read body language and, you know, really get some of those nonverbal um, cues that people give to you in that sales process. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I always tell people to get really comfortable with their webcam if they're anything like me. And, you know, I have clients uh, internationally. I have my biggest client is in Paris. So I've never met them in real life, but I still am able to have that personal one on one connection um, just through Skype and things like mm-hmm. that. Love that. So if someone out there wanted to start working with you and your company tomorrow, what options would they have? Can we talk a little bit about the different services that you have? Yeah. So it's really exciting. Um, you know, 14 years of, of running a business and then been able to pivot it and even just refine and evolve as we go along. What I'm really excited to announce is that we have launched a podcast called The Simplifiers Podcast. Uh, we serve um, creative entrepreneurs all over the world. Um, and we take very smart people and interview them on one topic, either in business or in life, and we simplify it. Like it's just literally just that. So cash flow, simplified, goal setting, simplified, how to be a vegan, simplified, how to get enough sleep, you know, like all of these things that um, has been really fun to step into that role. And, you know, again, like I said earlier, like it's so exciting for me to be able to tap into my career experience working in radio in my 20s um, to this now in my, my 40s um, is really fun for me. So, we, you know, definitely you can uh, do a search for the Simplifiers podcast anywhere where you you listen to your podcast and check that out. That's, of course, absolutely free. I do uh, public speaking all over the world, which is really fun. I love teaching. I love mentoring. And um, yeah, I just it's such a great joy that, for me. Um, so I speak at various conferences, both in the events industry and beyond as well. Um, and again, talking about simplifying talking about um, understanding truly the operations side of your small business, whether that's cash flow or sales or how to hire your first virtual assistant, like all of that. Um, So I enjoy that as well. And then we also provide coaching. Um, So we coach uh, businesses that are looking to simplify and optimize the operations side of their their company. We we hold a uh, mastermind called the Super Mentor Academy throughout the year. So we we provide that, but we also do private coaching. So one-on-one, if you need customized, um, really focused uh, guidance, then we provide that as well. That is so exciting. I cannot wait to listen to your podcast. I am a podcast addict. Um, I'm always listening for new shows to listen to. So I'll be sure to link it in the show notes as well so everyone else out there can find it. Um, So I know you have a background in radio, but do you have any favorite podcasters or resources that kind of inspired you to get that to get that going. Yeah, I'm I'm also a big fan of podcasts because I can listen to it on the go, on the train in the morning to commute to the office or when I'm on the cardio machine. So, yeah, my big favorites for sure are uh Building a Story Brand like we talked about earlier with Donald Miller, Donald Miller. Um and I also love Two Dope Queens. It's not educational by any means, but I just love it so much. They're two very bright, smart ladies from Brooklyn who are stand-up comedians. So it just cracks me up. If I'm having a down day, I throw on 
two dope queens. Um, another one that I really, really love and have been getting into is Nerdette. Um, and Nerdette is two uh, female podcasters and they take topics in science and geeky stuff and they break them down. Um, they're especially, if you listen to Nerdette, there is one episode where they interview Tom Hanks and it is so delightfully captivating in that Tom Hanks like totally geeks out for a whole hour about vintage typewriters and stuff. And it's just so funny. It's so great. So yeah, those are the, my three go-tos right now. Awesome. I will have to check out some of those recommendations. I've heard so many great things about two dope Queens, but I haven't, (laughs) haven't listened yet. Um, But I do love fun podcasts as well, although I do listen to a lot of business. So if you had to give one piece of advice to someone who's looking to simplify their business today. What do you think is maybe the easiest or the most important aspect that, that, that they can really get started simplifying um, right away? So um, like I said earlier, build out that core values, mission, and vision statement. Do the work of mapping out who your ultimate ideal client is. But here's one more simple task that shouldn't take you more than like, say, 10, 15 minutes. And this is particularly important for those solopreneurs, those one-person companies where you're like, it's me, myself, and I, okay? Let's, let's figure this out, right? Here's the thing. Set yourself that 15-minute timer. And I want you to grab a big piece of paper and a Sharpie marker. And I want you to map out your org chart. And you're like, uh, Mary, again, it's me, myself, and I. Like, what do you mean? I'm just going to write my name and all the boxes and all the things. And I said, wait, pause. What I mean by that is, again, pretend you're a big organization and you're thinking about the different departments of running your small business, whether that's operations, marketing, sales, research and development, manufacturing, whatever it might be, right? And you're at the top. You're the CEO. So put your name in that box down there. But then once you start to take the time and think about all the different elements of your org chart and the different departments of the work that needs to be accomplished, from A to Z to service your clients, right? Then you can start to assess which parts of this do I love to do that I'm so good at? I It energizes me. It excites me, all of that. And, you know, then you're also going to circle the stuff where you're like, I have no clue. Like, I'm, I'm really bad at this bit or um, I can do this work but it drains me. Like I absolutely hate doing that kind of work. And when you've taken that 15 minutes and mapped that out on paper, what happens is you're clear now on where the stop gaps are and where you need to either hire a virtual assistant. And by the way, a virtual assistant can literally be two hours a week. Like it doesn't have to be this 40 hour a week job or a thing anymore that those days are totally gone. But then you can start to find people or resources to help you do those different departments and run the things smoothly and easily. And if anybody is listening at home going like, uh, well, that, that sounds good, but I don't have any cash to like start hiring a team. And I said, get it. I totally get it. And what I would recommend to you then is either A, figure out a way to find the education you need so you can become better at doing that piece of the org chart yourself. Um, whether that's, you know, searching YouTube for videos or finding a coach or doing some online courses to, to develop your skills or make a plan of, okay, where's the biggest stop gap? Where's the biggest pain point right now? Oh my gosh, I desperately need a webmaster. Or, oh my gosh, I'm dying because I don't know how to do graphic design. And 
make a plan. So I'm going to hire that person two hours a week, five hours a week, whatever it is, um, by in the next 30 days. I'm going to hire this person in the next 45 days. And, you know, just map it out. Because once you've got a plan, you're going to be so much more empowered than sitting there going, I am drowning in to-dos and I don't have a clue what to do next, right? Because it becomes like uh, analysis paralysis, right? Um, but once you've got it mapped out on paper, then it helps so much to simplify your master plan of what's next. Wow. Love that. That's that's awesome advice. Um, I feel like I need to get started on some planning. <laughs> it's equal balance of planning, mapping things out on paper, but equal balance of taking daily action. Like it may not be yeah. perfect. It probably won't be perfect. Let's go ahead and assume it's going to be messy and, you know, you're going to stumble along the way, but you got to take action because yeah. otherwise you will, you will just pretend to be a business owner and plan yourself into a corner um, and not make any money. And at the end of the day, a business that doesn't make money is a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Well, I have to say that this has been super helpful to me. So I'm sure that everyone out there listening is going to have learned a lot as well. This was really awesome. Um, but before we go, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and continue learning and work with you if they oh, would like yes. to? Oh, yes. Thank you again. I really, really, really appreciate you having me on today. It's so great. Um, and yes, uh, two places, of course, Instagram, search for this at the simplifiers. That's us. Um, and make sure to say hello if you watch any of my crazy antics on Insta stories. And then two, like I said, uh, check out the podcast, um, Apple Podcasts, search for The Simplifiers and you'll find us. Um, and, you know, leave us a review or just take a listen and let us know what you think because we are shaping it to serve all of you guys. I cannot wait to check out your Insta stories as well. I am a huge fan of Insta stories, so I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, I think those were all of the questions I had for you today, but this was super helpful, like I said, and I'm really excited to kind of dive into your content and, and continue to learn more. So thank you again for being on the show. It is my absolute pleasure. And for anyone that's out there listening right now and you're, you're a little bit inspired by what we talked about, like just take a step. That's all you have to do. Take a step, one step, and then take another one after that and another one after that. But always, always, always keep it simple. Awesome. I love it. That's a great note to end on. So thanks again for being on. And everyone listening, make sure to check out the show notes at FreelanceFridayPodcast.com. I will be sure to link all of uh, Mary's info and the Simplifier's info so you can uh, learn more. So thanks so much for being on, and I'll talk to you next time. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.